Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Shannon Payne. And today we're talking about uh, something uh, ne- necessary. I think it's necessary. I am very interesting. Yeah. And a little frustrating. But at the end, super fun. Cause, yes. Because Dolly. Because Dolly. Dolly's so, a tr- just a genuine treasure. A genuine treasure. Truly, truly. And not just because all our outfits are made entirely of rhinestones. Not just that. Not because her hair just is the world. Oh, my gosh. Or that she's just maybe the cutest person to ever exist. Just speaking. Yes. <sighs> Ridiculous. But, but so smart. Yeah. She is, cl- like, snappy so smart. So clever. Yeah. Very impressive. Mm. She's not till later, though. It's true. So hold on through this stuff. <laughs> this stuff's good, though. It's good. It's, it's good because it's a good conversation to be had. It is. It is. I think it's important. Um, and I think we're all thinking a lot about it. We're talking about the 40-hour work week. Why we work 40 hours. Why do we do this to ourselves? Um, first of all, why are we all so hung up on even numbers? That. Because I think odd ones are just naturally more pleasing. I agree. But even is what it is. I'm 35 this year. Oh. How perfect is that? Absolutely perfect. It feels like a great number. Yeah. Three's my favorite number. Is it? Yeah. So 30s are just, I mean, 30s have been banging. I love the 30s. Love them. So good. I am excited. I know we've talked about this before when we talked about soulmates. That was a while ago. Mm-hmm. And how I was like, I'm excited for my 30s, for my 40s, for my 50s. I'm excited for all of them. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be great. But I have loved my 30s so far. Except for turning 30 in 2020 was rough. And I don't wish that on anybody. It's hard when your big birthdays get squished. And it was it was one of those where I was leaving my 20s and all you could think about was death and dying. Oh, you. Mm. <laughs> That's not fun. It wasn't great. It was a sad birthday. <laughs> But I made myself my own cake, and it was good. My saddest birthday was 27. Okay. For no reason. Mm. It was just a really rough one. 27 was not a good one for me either. 27 wasn't a great birthday. I like sevens, but not that one. Yeah. No, 27 sucked. In your 30s, you have, you go, you're able to be the same little girl you were when you were nine. Yeah. Like, remember when you were nine and how you thought about yourself? Yeah. And that immediately goes away upon, I don't know, the initiation of menstruation. Yeah. And you feel mm, like not great about yourself. That's real. Until you turn 30. Yeah. And then you're like, you know what? Maybe I should be a zookeeper. Yeah. That'd be fun. Or a marine biologist. Why are we making so many life decisions so early? I don't know. Life is so long. Yeah. And then you pick what you're supposed to be forever when you're 18. I had no idea. I've never been dumber than when I was 18. Oh my God. I never was in so my life. dumb. The dumbest. I made, I made decisions for myself that now I'm just like, why did you do that? She shouldn't have been allowed. No, 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 no. No, absolutely not. She needed undercover adult supervision because she wouldn't have taken it from like legitimate adults. Right. <laughs> It would have to been like when Channing Tatum went back to high school for that police movie. Yep, 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 yep. That kind of adult mm-hmm. <laughs> needed to just follow me around. I needed a big sister. So bad. <laughs> like when I was like, like, you know, the older ones, like five, seven years older than yeah. you. That sister. Yes. Who's just like Alicia Silverstone from Clueless, possibly. Perfect. Oh, that would have been the best. Why didn't I have that? I will say I'm glad that she realized she should not be married at 18. 
18-year-old Shannon knew that this was not the time for Gross. that. So I'm I'm happy for that. Yeah. Because the people that I would have been inclined to marry then would not have been on the same caliber as Brian at all. No, no. Not even close. Mm-mm-mm. The people we were kissing at 18, mm. I hope have grown just as much as I we do have. too, because I recognize that they were also dumb at 18 mm-hmm. and hopefully they grew out of it. But I don't think we would have grown well together. No. It would have been gross. Mm. And now we all have jobs. And now we all have jobs and work nine to five. no one actually works nine to five no one actually does do we ever talk about that no one works nine to five no one works nine to five we say it it's the iconic time frame i if i could start my life at nine perfect oh that'd be nice i don't need to sleep in super late i just want no one to fuck with the morning right i want it to be for me i would love to be able to wake up and drink coffee and have breakfast like they show on tv before you go to work Mm -hmm. there's no time for that no there's no time for that at all and it's dark yeah depressing it's that's why working from home is just really cool someday (laughs) because because i work you know i don't i still don't get to start late right but then at lunchtime is when i get ready for life Yes. I have a nine o'clock meeting three days a week, uh-huh. so I have to get half ready before those. Nice. At least the top half has to be ready to go. <laughs> or else it's just rude, you know? That's fair. Camera's on and they're like, those are for sure your Jimmy Jams. <laughs> Maybe. You don't know. <laughs> they could be. They may not be. So usually they're just my bottom half. Mm. Top mm-hmm. half real shirt. I could go with just sweatpants all day, but like a nice shirt on top. I love sweatpants. Mm. Mm-hmm. I have shorts that are sweats. And they Shut have up. Pockets. Shut up. They're so cool. I want them. I found them at Smith's. <gasps> Why did Smith's have them? How did Smith's come up with it was this a idea? Two pack, black ones, and then these other ones that are tie dye blue and purple. I love it. <laughs> They're the best. I love it. <laughs> I want them they're, now. they're appropriate for so many occasions. Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> when we go camping, inevitably at some point. Expect those to come out. Absolutely. Yes. It'd be perfect. Gosh, camping. You know what? We're doing something. We are in the middle of something. Let's get back. <clears throat> Let's do it. I'm going to start this time. 40-hour work week. So first, I'm going to start with um, some history of workers' rights, labor's laws, and lobbying in the United States real fast, just to kind of get you on the timeline. Yeah. Um, So 70-hour work weeks were really common for men, women, and children during the Industrial Revolution. That's insane when you actually think about it. 70. 70 hours. That's almost two weeks worth of work in one. Yeah, nearly double of what... 40-hour work week is, which already feels like too right. much. And we'll talk about it as we go on. Almost no one is working just 40 hours a week. No. But 70 still feels like the high insane. end of possible. Yeah. I imagine healthcare workers are working. I'm sure they 70 are. hours a week, some teachers. Yeah. Teachers are definitely men's 55, right? Yeah. That's just how it's got to be. It has to, men. I think school teachers retire to regular people jobs because they're so chill works. for them. I mean, I've had two friends now. Retire from teaching, quote unquote, retire. They quit mm-hmm. so they could go do something else because it yeah. was just so much. So they could have their lives back. Yeah. What a noble career. It is. It takes truly every, is. Literally everything you have. Literally all of you. <laughs> <laughs> and all of your stuff, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it wasn't until August 20th of 1866 that the National Labor Union asked Congress to pass a law mandating the eight hour workday. It didn't work. 
Yeah. And it didn't work. Um, but it did ignite a lot of support for labor reform in the U.S. Um, they said the first and great necessity of the present to free labor of this country from capitalist slavery is the passing of a law by which eight hours shall be the normal working day in all states of the American Union. We are resolved to put forth all our strength until this glorious result is achieved. If anyone's calling something like working only eight hours a day glorious, whatever they're working right now is bad. It's awful. <laughs> because eight's, de- eight's a lot. Eight's too much. <laughs> On May 1st of 1867, the Illinois legislature passed a law mandating the eight-hour workday. The employers refused. Okay. And there was a massive strike in Chicago that became known as May Day. And we're going to talk in a little bit about fun May Day. (laughs) Yes. Pagan Spring Festival May Day. Exciting one. Yes. Um, This isn't that one. This isn't that one. It's meaningful. It is very meaningful. Yes. there's no Maypole. No. Um, probably no satyrs and fawns. Probably not. Are fawns and satyrs the same thing, or is a fawn a girl satyr? Oh, shit. Mm, TBR. TBC? T- TBD? TBR. D- does, anybody, TB- does anybody abbreviate to be continued? Is that not a thing we do? I don't think we do. I don't know that we do. I think we do TBD, to be determined. Yeah. Maybe not a TBR. This is bad. This isn't even good entertaining stuff. <laughs> Then on May 19th of 1869, President Ulysses S. Grant proclaimed a guaranteed stable wage and eight-hour workdays for all government workers. Okay. So not everybody, but a lot of people. It's a start. Um, It saved a lot of our... Okay. And that solved um, all of our problems, and the system has worked flawlessly ever since. The end. That's all. Great episode. (laughs) (laughs) Throughout the 1870s and 1880s, strikes and demonstrations took place on May Day. By May 4th of 1886, um, labor organizations called for a national strike for a shorter workday. So more than 300,000 workers across the country went on strike, which is so many. Yes. Demonstrators fought with the police in Chicago. Um, Over the course of a few days, many were wounded or killed um, during what we've called the Haymarket Affair. Okay. And I was talking to you about this before, but the Haymarket Affair can be its own whole episode. It's really interesting. Yeah. And then the trial afterwards on who is responsible and to blame and 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 honestly, just the history of protest in our country. Yeah. And how effective it's been and, and if it's resulted in legislation that's really helped people's lives. Yeah. So that would be a really cool thing to talk about. I think that'd be awesome. In 1890, the U.S. government began tracking workers hours. The average work week for full-time manufacturing employees was a whopping 100 hours oh, on average. Oh, my God. Average is the middle. That's not even the most. That's It's gross. That's insane. I said, I'm so tired. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um, September 3rd of 1916, Congress passed the Adamson Act, granting an eight-hour workday for interstate railroad workers. So the corners of the Monopoly board. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the Supreme Court constitutionalized the act in 1917 when we trusted them. Yes. So a big part of why we work 40 hours a week now um, originated with Mr. Henry Ford. Yes. A lot of people refer to it as the Model T work week. Okay. Cute, huh? Yeah. September 25th of 1926, Ford Motor Companies adopted a five-day, 40-hour work week. Um, but 
uh, Ford's efforts weren't altogether benevolent. He said, leisure is an indispensable ingredient in a growing consumer market. Agreed. Yes. Because working people need to have enough free time to find uses for consumer products, including automobiles. Huh. So showed his cards a little bit. A little bit. These people are working so much, they don't have time to give their money back to me by buying cars. Let's fix this. <laughs> Ford solved it. Um, he instructed us all to fill our lives, and like Jesus, with eight <laughs> hours of work. Eight hours of socializing and shopping, being a good consumer, uh-huh. and eight hours of sleep. Yes. Um, ta-da. <laughs> it's all perfect. It all works. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Ford didn't see the reduction of working hours as lost time or missed productivity. He saw it as essential to become to a booming economy. Um, he said, it's high time to rid ourselves of the notion that leisure for workmen is either lost time or class privilege. Which I really agree with. Definitely agree with that. Um, I think people all the, all the time are uh, made to feel like they need to earn their right to live a life. And that's not true. And I don't think that, that it's not entitlement to know that you're worth happiness. Yes. So Outside of the workplace. Yeah. You don't need to earn that. No. You, you can just, you should have happiness. You, you should. should. So Ford's philosophy sounds really sensible, right? I mean, on paper, it really does. Yeah, Kind of like when we were taught about trickle-down economics. When you read about it, it makes sense. Yeah. Like, of course that would happen. And then money all at the bottom. But it does not work out that way in reality. No. It's sold as an effective and universally beneficial system, but it doesn't work. A 40-hour work week makes a lot of sense if you're the kind of person who has like a partner at home or a wife or assistant um, uh, or, you know, anybody else who's managing the other half of your world while you're at work. And also, if the 40 hours you're working every week gives you enough money to provide for you and your family. Right. Which is one of the most important parts. Right. Right. And I think... It's my personal opinion that anybody who's willing to wake up and go to work for 40 hours a week should be able to earn enough money to pay all their bills and go see a movie on the weekend. I think so, too. It does not matter what you do. Every role is important. Right. And you're giving up the same amount of your precious life. Exactly. So and honestly, I know that's a it's it's a overused excuse, but there are jobs that other people that we are not all suited to everything. Right. And just because a person does a job that you consider menial or less important doesn't mean that they're sacrificing less of themselves to complete it. Exactly. They deserve a a life. They deserve to be able to live comfortably in a way that makes them happy and warm. Yes. Or cool, depending depending on the seasons. Yes. That's important. Yes. Um, it makes little sense today, right? As we're talking about, it likely made little sense to people of Ford's time as well. People of lower social economic status probably in, in, dealt with the same problems we do. Yeah. Where th- there wasn't enough. It, they were spread too thin to right. take care of their people. Yes. On those kinds of hours, um, which is why we see a lot of people working more than one full time job. Oh, Everywhere. And there's there are few few households left at all in America where only one person is earning an income. It's almost impossible at this point. They're living on a really tight budget or a really grand amount of privilege. Yes. Either way, it's still probably tricky. I'm sure. Um, In on June 
25th of 1938, Congress passed the Fair Labor Standards Act, limiting the work week to 44 hours. And then on June 26th of 1940, Congress amended that act to a 40-hour work week. Hmm. And that's why now, if you work more than 40 hours in a week, you have paid um, overtime. overtime. Yep. Which is great. It is. It's hard when it's not up to you. That's the tough part. (laughs) A lot of time, overtime is mandatory, and that can be a real bitch. That sure can be. Mm -hmm. Those weeks are tiring. Yes, they are. And some people are working them all the time. It's just their regular life Mm -hmm. now is overtime. Yep. And that's hard. It's not, I don't think it's necessarily worth the extra money after a certain point. It gets to that point. It's just too much. Yep. Um, On October 24th of 1940, the Fair Labor Standards Act went into effect 74 years after the National Labor Union asked Congress to make an eight hour workday. So that's as long. That's about how long it takes. Okay, 74 years. Okay, I mean, so pencil pencil it in in the future. It'll be, it'll be there waiting I for you. I haven't ever tried to scroll that far forward in my Google calendar. Oh. Does it go 74 Does it do years? that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we can check. Um, the Fair Labor Standards Act also guaranteed overtime pay, minimum wage, which at the time was 25 cents an hour, which would be about $4.67 an hour today. So we haven't done much better. Not a lot. No. <laughs> <laughs> and um, fun fact, this is also what created the concept of a weekend. Oh, before I think I think like a basic Sabbath has always existed on the Saturday or Sunday in uh, most faith traditions. But uh, there because they could make you work most days, most people worked six days a week. Yeah. Um, so to get to have the 40 hours in eight hour work days gave us a weekend. Well, that's nice, at least it is nice and always makes me think of when Maggie Smith says in Downton, she asked that question in Downton Abbey, what is a weekend? <laughs> She's so rich, she doesn't she know. She doesn't even know. <laughs> it doesn't apply to you, sweetheart. No, you don't. Every day is a weekend for you. <laughs> Real Maggie Smith, she gets it. She knows. Uh, Downton Abbey Maggie Smith never has touched such a thing. Not once. Bless her. Mm. Uh, in a survey by tax and professional services firm EY, I'll have all my sources linked so you can see where all these studies come from. And no, I'm not just talking out of my ass. They're real. Perfect. Um, half of managers around the world reported logging more than 40 hours a week. In the U.S., uh, 58% of managers said they worked over 40 hours a week. That makes sense. Uh, presumably some of that time is spent at home answering emails instead of like just being in the office physically. Yeah. But that takes a lot that still of your takes time. Time and effort and energy. Right. Yeah. Work has changed a lot since the Model T work week. Yes. We don't we don't really work the same way we used to. Um, though you might know, I certainly do. A lot of people who do traditional shift work, mm-hmm. um, according to recent labor reports, only about 8% of jobs in the U.S. are related to manufacturing compared with around 33% of all jobs back in the 1930s. Okay. So a greater percentage of us are in a different position working um, offices remotely. Um, we're not a person at a machine making a product. Yes. Um, but a lot of us still are. What did I tell you? Eight percent. Eight percent. That's still a are. lot of Americans. That is still a good portion of America. Mm-hmm. And that's just in manufacturing jobs. Right. So it doesn't really put in um, necessarily uh, doesn't include all of machining or equipment operation. Right. It doesn't include um, different kinds of construction or customer facing jobs where mm-hmm. the hours that you're there 
are like are really important. Right. They're the they're the job. Yes. Um, we're all constantly connected though, right? So no matter what kind of job you have, you have the internet in your pocket and your mm-hmm. phone. So we're always at least a little bit at work. Right. You're always available. Yeah. Um, you're technically available, technically reachable. So aren't you available? You're couldn't you reply? Couldn't you reply couldn't to my you? text, email, call? Maybe it was rude of me to send you a message at 1130 on Sunday night, but mm. I mean, were you really busy? You can't tell me you were asleep yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can answer. Um, if your employer isn't specifically asking it of you, you're reading the emails as they hit your phone. You're responding to messages on Slack and Teams. You're answering questions, accepting meeting invites, and having fake work conversations in the shower while you wash your hair. Every day. Every day. <laughs> uh, we can't truly achieve work-life work life balance because we're never not working. Right. And we're exhausted. So tired. (laughs) So is it worth it? Hmm. Let's look at our productivity. Multiple studies have shown that working beyond 40 hours a week makes you less productive. This is due to our limited capability for deep work, as explained in deliberate practice theory. This theory says that if you're new at something, you have about one good hour of high intensity work in you. More seasoned professionals have about four hours of productive work in them. Beyond that, any work you do won't have a high impact or help further your career. Even worse, after the eight hour mark, you become less alert and have a higher margin for error. Working past eight hours not only makes you less efficient, but it can undo some of the productive work you did earlier. Mm. And in businesses like mine, I'm in the mining industry, uh, it can lead to injury and loss of life. Right. Like there's huge, significant consequences for that. Yeah. There's only we can try to follow all the rules and safety to stay awake and alert and have our mind on task. But at a certain point. That's all a body is capable of. Right. And you can't, we're asking so much more of people than they are physically capable of giving there in are a lot limits. of situations. Yeah. And, and it has nothing to do with their expertise or their desire to do a job right or to go home safely. It's just capacity is capacity. Yes. And when it's used, it's used. Exactly. Um, so it gets worse than sloppy work. Turns out that if you work more than 40 hours a week, you might be working yourself to death. Oh, a 2016 World Health Organization study found that over 745,000 people died from stroke and other heart diseases as a direct result of working 55 hours a week. Oh, geez. That's bad. That's awful. The WHO even classified burnout as an occupational phenomenon in the International Classification of Diseases. Oh, wow. And we've been hearing a lot about burnout online recently. It can take you three to five years to recover from it. That's a long time. And so many of us just redo it repeatedly. Continue to dig that hole. And kind of like those studies that talk about how you live, you don't live as long if you work nights. Mm -hmm. I imagine if you operate at capacity for too long, it shortens your literal life. I can absolutely see that. If not by giving, not just making you tired, like this stroke and heart disease is is impacted by stress, just like this study said. Yeah. Um, In Japan, workaholic culture became so common during the 70s that they coined a term for it. They call it karoshi, which means death by overwork. Oh, my God. That's scary. That's awful. That's fucking terrifying. Just take a second. That's your life. 
And you're killing it for work. Ew. For a thing that at the end of the day, you're replaceable. Even if you love it. Even if it does, it is meaningful. Right. It's still taking from you probably more than you can give. Right. Oh, um, in 2018, only 52.4% of workers took their full paid leave. Stop doing that. Yeah. Take your leave, please. Eight out of 12 CDC workplace studies associated overtime with sickness and death. Other studies revealed that overtime is also associated with higher on the job injuries. Okay. That makes sense. So no, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. We're being spent like money or batteries used up until we're empty. Yeah. But, Shan, is there a better way? There has to be, right? Well, prepare for a small soapbox. It's just a paragraph. I love it. Let's do this. Try to suspend your instinct to say, that will never work here. (laughs) It's dumb and I'm over it. (laughs) Remember what you know. You know that there are people who have made it their literal life's work to study, collate, and present information thoroughly and fairly. It's their pride to deliver facts and truth. Those facts and truths apply to the United States. They just do. That's how facts work. We aren't just out on our own little island. This place is special to us because it's our home, not because it exists outside the laws and restrictions of reality. So feel free to apply this information (laughs) to all kinds of concepts and issues. And Soapbox, thank you so much. Beautifully done. Here are some alternatives to literally working our lives away. Monograph CEO and co-founder Robert Ewan. I think that's how you say it. Y-U-E-N. That's how I would say it. Has been on board with a four-day work week since his company started back in 2016. He claims it's been vital to the health and well-being of employees. Iceland adopted a 36-hour work week with no pay cuts from 2015 to 2019, and it was an overwhelming success. Nice. No pay cuts. None. Huge. That's awesome. Even Microsoft saw a 40% productivity boost when they introduced a four-day work week. That makes perfect sense. That one didn't um, cut their hours. They were doing four tens, Mm -hmm. but still three days of recovery. I I used to have a three-day weekend. I used to do four tens. Yeah. And the days are tough. Ten-hour days are not Mm -hmm. easy. But... Having a full three days to recharge is huge. Fun day, chore day, chill day. Exactly. I love it. It's beautiful. Feels great. Yes. Yeah. I mean, some of us have to wash our damn laundry. And find a way to fold it. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, these kinds of changes are easier for tech companies. Yeah. Um, non-consumer facing jobs, uh, places where working hours and the way they have working hours and off hours. Yes. And not all jobs are like that. Right. So it's obvious it's not a solution for everybody. This one. But I'm going to I'm going to read you a couple. So don't give up yet. Um, also, I'd like to be able to get a frosty at 11 p.m. Yeah, I would so, too. So here's some more things. <laughs> in April of 2021, nearly 4 million people put in their notice in what's being called the Great Resignation. We want something better, and a lot of people are taking huge risks in the hope that they'll find it. Um, here are some other solutions. Flex work schedule. That's a good one. It's great for parents, early birds, night owls, people who just don't live on the same hours as 9 to 5. Right. Which is pretty normal. 
Yeah. And I'm tired of being made to feel like I'm a trash person just because that's not my circadian rhythm doesn't match yours. Right. How dare you? <laughs> and there's not a ton I can do about it in no. some situations. We can try and train ourselves away from things. But I think that bodies do have a, a, a comfortable stasis. Right. And trying constantly to make your body live outside of where it thinks it belongs is hurtful and exhausting. It's awful. And our bodies aren't all the same size. They don't all want to sleep at the same time. They don't all want to eat the same foods. Right. And it, it is so hard to try to make all of our bodies conform to the same schedule and lifestyle. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't. It's really hard. <laughs> um, so it's it's this flex time schedule gives places that are open all the time an opportunity to change their shifts. Mm -hmm. So um, if working from... I don't know, noon to six makes it so you never see your children. Maybe, right. Maybe work a, you can work a di different shift and it helps your life be yeah. managed a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and it, it can cause some more difficulty in scheduling. A little creativity is involved. But tell me it's not worth putting up the effort up front to have a happier, more productive, more just, I don't know, healthy, happy workforce. And employees who will stay, right? Decrease your your turnover by a ton. Nobody wants to keep hiring people no. all the time. It's so hard. <laughs> it really is. So if we could take better care of each other, we'd stick around. It's worth the effort up front. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me you're like my family. Treat me like I'm a human. Yes. I don't need to go to your reunion. I just need hours that make it so I can live my life. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Yep. Uh, the four day work week is another one. 10 hour days, three day weekends, um, 10 hour days, like you were saying, are not mm -hmm. for everyone. They're not. They're tough. They're beastly. Yes. Um, for people like me with chronic illnesses, you, you just don't really have the energy to go 10 full hours. Right. That's too, that's too much. Yeah. Other people, um, a hundred percent worth it to get your three days at the end. Mm -hmm. You just do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, it's probably difficult for parents without partners, or mm -hmm. partners who both work different schedules. Yeah. Um, 10 hours is a long time to be away from home. It is. And if you have other home responsibilities or people you help care for, that's a long time to be away. It is. It is. And it puts a lot of pressure on the people who support you. Exactly. Or it costs a lot of money in childcare or other kinds of care. Oh, for sure. I can't imagine that if it's just you at home and then you have to have someone help take care of your kids for you. Yeah. Is the cost worth it? And maybe if you spend the, those three days every weekend with your people feeling like you're getting quality time, mm -hmm. but maybe not. Maybe not. It just depends on yeah. if that's a balance that you find suitable. Yeah. This one's great. <laughs> We're not going to get it, but I hope we do someday. <laughs> the 32 hour work week. Yes, please. So this is the three day weekend, but you don't have to do the 10 hour days. Mm -hmm. Regular eight hour days, three day weekend. No cut and pay. That sounds delightful. It's amazing. And honestly, think about it. <laughs> think about it. Uh -huh. Are you doing work work for all eight hours? Absolutely not. You like to think you are. You like to say you are. But even if you really try, people come up and talk to you. Right. Meetings go too long for no reason. Yeah. Uh, your stomach hurts and you spend a lot of time doing things other than your job. Mm -hmm. That <laughs> you <know>? happens. <laughs> like life is life. Right. And you're just not, you're not busy the whole eight hours. Mm -hmm. And how cool would it be if we all worked like, I don't know, five hours a day? Yeah. You could go hard for five hours. Oh, yeah. And then put work away. 
mm-hmm. and live your life. Be beautiful. So you're not wasting any time during your five hours. You're just work. Right. Because you know you have plenty of time to live afterwards. Exactly. To make your dentist appointments and your shopping list and so much connect less with your friends. Would be taken. Mm-hmm. Because that's the hard part. How are you supposed to schedule things when you work all day, every day? I mean, I do. I have to take leave all the time to go to the dentist, to go take care of myself physically and emotionally. And which is important. It is important. I used to work and a lot of people do. I do occasionally now, but I'm mostly remote um, on a site that's far away from town. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have jobs like that where they can't go to the dentist at lunch. Right. You know, they're there when they're at work, they're there. Some people have like clearances or different kinds of jobs that just make it so going and coming isn't really possible for them. Right. Um, so a shorter work day would be cool. It would be really nice. There's a lot of downsides, though, especially if you're a company and you don't want to spend more money because if you have shorter shifts, then you need more employees. Right. And you're paying more benefits. Right. Um, and when we have these shorter shifts, we're not cutting people's salary. Right. Because they still need to live. They still need to live. It's expensive. It is. I would wager companies as a whole companies. You have enough money. Stop it already. All right, please. That's just my opinion. You agree. Won't, you won't agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. They might not agree. <laughs> I, I know you're not on board. No. I get it. Nobody's texting me. Hey, Liz, is this enough money? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not happening. (laughs) First of all, I have to have my husband explain to me what EBITDA means all the time. Uh So I can't tell you. Nope. (laughs) But in general, yes, that's enough. Mm -hmm. Calm down. Mm -hmm. Um, And in places where your job is making things. Yeah. Fewer hours physically working means fewer things are made. It just doesn't work. And so if you're not increasing shifts, then you're making less product. Right. Of whatever it is. And that puts in your money as well. Yeah. And isn't that what makes the world go round? Isn't it though? Uh, Like the emoji that's the tongue with the dollar signs. Yeah. That's the world. <laughs> Moments like these, I sort of wish this was a video. I knew too. So you could see us both make that face no. at each other. It's a good time. <laughs> we'll get us on YouTube one of these days. Someday we've had a couple happen. people ask if they could, if we do that, so they could watch us talk. I think it could be a fun addition. And sometimes, <laughs> you guys, I don't know why would you want to do that, right? But also, aren't we all just hanging out? I think that's what's just happening. So, yeah, well, we'll see. We would have to like be dressed all the time, but we could do it for you. We we could. Today we are kind of on point, but not. Fully. Yeah, it wouldn't be super dressed. No, it would you just get be... shorts and a sweater. Yeah, that's just what we wear. Ninja Turtle socks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, people are more productive when they work less. It's just mm-hmm. true. When Iceland tested a 32 hour work week with no pay cuts, they saw productivity and service levels remain the same. Um, some trial workplaces even improved. Oh, nice. The UK government saw only a 6% dip in productivity when it slashed its working week down to three days back in 1974. For them, it was an energy saving tactic. It wasn't permanent. Okay. Um, so the small dip in productivity was worth it for okay. them, but still only 6% by losing two work days, two full days. That's barely a blip. That's there's That tells me two things. We are wasting so much fucking time at work. Yep. That I would rather be wasting dicking around at my house with my friends. Uh, agreed. <laughs> just, just what? Same. Um, and, and two, we can probably afford this. Yeah. We can probably afford this. It would be fine. People are happier. For eight years, France dedicated. Oh, sorry. They dictated. 
That's a little more serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they dictated that a 35 hour work week was the best way to do business. Over half of the French workers surveyed said that they were happier with their work life balance. Oh. Iceland and New Zealand, who we should honestly just take all of our advice from. Absolutely. They're doing it so well. Oh, yeah. Have also shortened their work weeks, resulting in a happier, less stressed workforce. Oh, nice. Side note, did you know that New Zealand's president, who I have a huge crush on, Mm -hmm. not only nurses her babies as the president of things, is she a prime minister? Yeah. I think everything's a president. I'm American. Yeah. We're we're bad that way. Whoops. (laughs) It's gross. I'm sorry. Uh, She's an ex-Mormon. What the fuck? Yeah. Post Mo. Just like us. Oh my God. (laughs) So we're already best friends. We're already besties. Um, I think it takes seven years to fly from here to there, but I'm willing to do it. I'm 100% willing. I bought myself a pillow to stick my feet on. We're fine. Excellent. (laughs) I'm going to get that turtle thing. (gasps) Have you heard of that? Yes. That's the neck pillow that holds your neck up. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll buy an extra foot pillow for you. I put my feet on my backpack like you taught me. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Makes a big difference. Mine's still too short, so I can't reach. So now I have a pillow. And my feet get swollen like a pregnant lady. Same. So I'm, I wear tall socks. Uh-huh. And that way I don't get my shoes on my backpack. I love this. Because I'm wearing tall socks. Right. So my feet are safe from the airplane. Because <laughs> they're yucky. <laughs> they're so gross. <laughs> I don't like flying. No. But I want to go places. I'm making it work. Mm-hmm. I put on my noise canceling headphones and if I snore, you're forbidden from telling me. Yes. Because it's just Tylenol PMs all the way there. Absolutely. (laughs) 100%. Just trying to live my life. (sighs) Okay. New Zealand's the best. Next. One thing I know. This is the part at the end of Full House where the music comes on Mm -hmm. and we talk about like the moral of the story. Yes. (laughs) My dad hated that part. Oh, no. He'd hear the music and be like, oh, Oh, God, why? (laughs) (laughs) He's not into that kind of sentimentality. That's fair. If he loves you, he'll just like send you a podcast he likes to listen to. Oh. Those are his Valentines. I love those. Those are great. You hang up, I'll say, I love you, daddy. And he says, yep. <laughs> I know what he means, man. but it's so That's funny. Wonderful, uh huh. Okay, see you later. <laughs> He's so cute. I love it. He still says to Seth, "He well, I'll hug him goodbye, and he'll be like, eh, I'm not gonna hug you, Seth." <laughs> and Seth's like, "I get it, Scott." <laughs> With this, my dad has this look on his face, like that'd be weird, right? You know, like. It's weird, yeah? You're cool. I like you. My daughter lives at your house with you, you know? We don't have to hug about it. It'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't have dancing at our wedding, Uh um, but we had... We had a a local musician who came and played her guitar and sang. It was really lovely. But um, before our wedding, my dad sent me a song for us to dance to if we were going to do a daddy-daughter dance. And it was um, was a Bob Dylan song. And my daddy, we have a Bob Dylan thing Uh because he's a writer. Yeah. And music. Yes. And so it's both of us, you know. Right. Uh, and the song's called You're a Big Girl Now. Oh, my God. Gosh, it was like, that's that's an I love you text from my dad. That's 100% the best kind of I love you text. I was thinking about you and our relationship, and I thought of this song. But really, no other message just sent me the, the link to the song. That is 100% <laughs> the sweetest thing. That's it. That's my daddy. No. That's how he's doing it. I love it. <laughs> like that like that birthday card. <laughs> oh, I, told, I told you that. You guys, my dad's such a romantic. Oh. My mom uh, likes cards. 
because she'd like you to write something nice inside uh-huh. that she can save in her underwear drawer to read. Does your, I don't know if all moms do that. My mom keeps little things in like the top drawer of her dresser that also happens to be her underwear drawer. I've never looked to see if she keeps anything there. But so it felt wrong have, because I'm not supposed to look at that. Right. Yeah. She has like letters from us on our missions and just shit like Aww. that in that drawer. It's yeah. where she keeps sweet things. Um and so my dad bought her a card to go with a present, but he doesn't, he didn't, I don't think he got why she liked them. He mm-hmm. just picked one with flowers because she likes flowers a lot. Okay. He opened it up and he signed like, love Scott. <laughs> and when she opened it up, he had signed it upside down backwards. Oh, no. <laughs> and when she read the card inside, it said, we've been friends for a long time. <laughs> to his one true love. Who he's been with for so long. And she looks up at him like, what the hell? And he's like, well, we have. Oh, my God. It's my favorite story. So still, we all said, well, we've been friends for a long time. We've been friends for a long time. Oh. Can you even get mad? To be fair, I don't even open up the card half the time. I just look and make sure that there's like... Nothing too sappy in there and call it a good day. And no money. Yeah. Seth's mom doesn't write on anybody's cards. It's, it's her thing that she, you can reuse them. Yeah. So she gets us a card and then nothing is in it. And I'm it's fine not with sealed. that. <laughs> I'm okay with it. No signature. <laughs> like, if you're going to write something like I want to read it, like if you if you are writing me something, I very much appreciate that you're mm-hmm. writing me something. But yeah, other than that. I don't like when you read them in front of the person who gave them to you. It makes me feel silly. I, for me, it's just because I don't like doing anything with an audience. Like I already told you, I feel weird eating in front of people. (laughs) It's cool. We have a podcast. We're fine. (laughs) This one doesn't count. No. Okay. So my daddy aside, here is one thing that I know. We can't keep going on this way. No. We have to develop a hearty respect for paid time off. We have to protect everyone's right to have it and to use it. We have to remind capitalism that he's an asshole, Mm -hmm. um, that we are humans who deserve lives. I speak from a lot of privilege, privilege that, you know, my dad from the birthday card, um, he earned for me. He never had pay time off. He was a he was a a mason, a bricklayer. Mm -hmm. Um, He sporadically had health insurance. He wasn't always offered a 401k. His employees didn't his employers didn't even like consider matching his contributions that just wasn't a thing um and he had almost no job security outside of his own reputation and skill set and his ability to sell it and a lot of americans are in my dad's situation they work mandatory overtime for garbage pay while their babies grow up and the natural beauties of our world expire it's worth it to protect and provide for the people that you love but it doesn't have to be this expensive The people who work three days a week from their vacation homes want you to believe that it does, that they're busting their balls to give you the privilege of shoveling their shit. Um, But the second thing I know is that your life is the same singular, shiny, golden, one of a kind gem as theirs. It exists in the same blip of time in the grand and marvelous scheme, and you deserve to drink in the glory of it while you can. I don't know how we get there. (laughs) That's the hard part. (laughs) Um, This is a storytelling podcast. Um, I just really believe in us. And I want us to be happy while we can. We don't have any promises or guarantees about um, when we'll be able to spend all the time we've been saving. 
So, I don't know. That got really deep. It's been a deep I couple of it. weeks in the news. <laughs> yeah, it has been. And it's had us all thinking, at least me, I'm probably everybody, about how much life you have. And you don't really know. You don't. You don't know how much time you get to spend with your people and your friends and your your garden. Right. Your dog. And, and uh, I think we all believe in this future someday where we're going to retire and then do all the things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people don't make it to that point or get there and don't have the capacity to do the things they dream they do. Right. Um, or weren't given the opportunity to save and prepare for that time. And so keep working well yep. into their old age. Yeah. Um, and the system doesn't really provide us ways to avoid that. No. Um, I don't know. I think the best the first part is um, believing what you deserve. I think that is the first part. And that'll give us something to stand up for. Exactly. It has to kind of start somewhere and that's a good good place to start. I don't know. I hope I hope someday some changes are made. It sometimes feels and I know we talked about this earlier, but it just feels like sometimes the obvious good changes are out there, but trying to make them happen feels futile. And and the few, I don't know, 17 people who can afford to help us make those changes can't bear the thought of losing a cent. When they have billions. Yeah. Yeah. It's complicated. It is. It's a hard problem. One of many. Yes. <laughs> we, have, we have a lot. <laughs> and there is so much um, pride and self-worth involved in an honest day's work. Mm-hmm. And I think it can feel entitled or whiny. To some people to ask for something different when they can pay their bills. Yeah. Um, but nobody ever told you if they did their wrong that to earn a living, you have to give away your soul. Yeah. You don't. You absolutely do not, should not be expected to do that. <sighs> yeah. So that's why we work 40 hours a week. (laughs) Um, When you think of nine to five, what do you think about, Shani? Oh, my God. I think about Dolly. (laughs) I immediately think about Dolly Barton. She's so cool. She's the best. (sighs) Are we ready to talk about her? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Do we want to break first? Oh, want to come back after the money break, homies? Smell you later. All right, guys, Dolly Parton. Here we go. I love her. So this was really fun this week. I I wanted to spend a lot of time talking about her until I realized that she needed her own episode. Because she's all that. Because she's, I mean, think about our Elizabeth Taylor episodes. She needs that much. Mm-hmm. She's, she just does. She is up there on that level. And so I don't feel like I can do her justice by trying to talk about her entirely today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you guys the briefest of overviews on her life. It is the briefest of overview. <laughs> she has an epic life. She really does. As um, big as her bosom. Oh my God. Really though. It's amazing. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the song nine to five and the movie nine to five and kind of the impact that they had on the world are currently still having it's just good stuff it's just great stuff it's it's as girl power as the spice girls honestly it is oh that's real big spice girl energy mm-hmm. or maybe like spice girl energy like spice girls got them. their energy from nine to five yeah that's, that could be it that's cute i like Love it. it okay so when we talk about dolly parton we're talking about a legitimate powerhouse of a person she's a singer she's a songwriter 
She's an actress. She's a businesswoman. She's a philanthropist. She's this and that and that. She's an absolute veritable queen of country music. She is an American icon. Absolutely. Like that list is small. A national treasure. She's a national treasure. I'm surprised Nicholas Cage hasn't tried to steal her. (laughs) You can't say it without having a Nicholas Cage joke. That's true. I'm glad you went there because I was like, I need a good one. (laughs) I need a good one. Um, so she's more than just the music industry. She also co-owns the Dollywood Company, which manages a number of entertainment venues, including Dollywood Theme Park, which I really want to talk about someday because it's really, really cool. Yes. Um, the Splash Country Water Park and a number of dinner theater venues, including the Dolly Parton Stampede and Pirate's Voyage. <laughs> Immediately, yes. We need to go on a field trip. <laughs> <laughs> and I love East Tennessee. Yes. It would be delightful it to go back. It would be wonderful. Let's do this. You we can need see to make this happen. Lightning bugs for the first time. <gasps> I have never seen a lightning bug. There is nothing like East Tennessee on an August evening. It's, Does it, is it really just magic? Does the sky magic. really just light up? It's not. They're not up high. Okay. They kind of bob near the ground <gasps> and they're slow little dopey things that just oh run into God, you. Oh my God, I love that. And though it's no, you hear like frogs and cicadas yeah. and, and it's cool and sticky and you've been hot. Oh, so hot <laughs> all day. And it's just it's so it probably rained in the morning, but the ground was so hot that it just was steam coming back up. Yeah. You're just in a straight up sauna. Oh, my God. And it's just it just feels like like your bread coming out of the oven. Oh, it's awful and wonderful at the same time. Just a dichotomy. <laughs> <laughs> and then at night, I don't know, you feel like you're in the past, but in the future. I love it. It's special. We need to take a trip. I think we should take our boys and we are going to go. I think they love it. See the uh, Dolly Parton. uh, Let's see. What does she call this? Dolly Parton Stampede and Pirates Voyage. We're going. This is done. (laughs) How do you have a stampede and pirates at the same time? I can't wait to find out. I want to know how this works. (laughs) That sounds so cool. Okay. So on top of all of this. Dolly has founded a number of charitable and philanthropic organizations, chief among which is the Dollywood Foundation, which manages a number of projects to bring education and poverty relief to East Tennessee, where she grew up, which I think is beautiful. She she does have a lot. She is. She's huge. She's an icon and that she, she does have a load of resources available to her. And she's and, never been too big for her britches. And I think that's what's important is she she does have so much, but she's so wonderful and wanting to give back and wanting to make the world a better place around her. And her home. And her home. Like wanting to make her home town a better place. I love it. I think it's beautiful. I love what she's doing. I think it's really great. Um So Dolly did start out as a songwriter for other people. She didn't start singing until 1967 with her release of the first album, Hello, I'm Dolly, which is perfect. (laughs) Yeah, you are. You sure are, Dolly. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Um, And this was this was big for her. This launched her. She was 
popular all through the rest of the 60s into the 70s into the 80s that's three decades she's so irresistible she is she's just so cute like Mm -hmm. she's just so cute and sweet and wonderful and bubbly she feels like the life of everything yes you know just she's brightness she breathes life into every room Mm -hmm. every place that she goes and you can just tell it's so nice when somebody has a good image and then is solidly good to their core yes like i'm sure she does mean things sometimes sure everybody does loses her temper when she spills her coffee uh she's still the closest thing to an angel we have on earth that's true if i can freak out about a bobby pin not holding my hair the right way she can freak out about her coffee not absolutely doing what it's supposed to too it's fine Mm -hmm. um so her popularity did die down a bit in the 90s that didn't stop her she comes back strong in the early 2000s she we're going to talk about her like again later, but let's talk about her massive collection of awards. I don't even know where she's keeping them. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> she's got to have like an entire house just dedicated to awards. To. <laughs> it's the only way this works. So many. Oh my goodness. So she has garnered herself 11 Grammy Awards and 50 nominations, including the Lifetime Achievement Award. Wow. That's a really big. That's a big deal. That's way big. She's gotten 20 Country Music Association Awards, including Entertainer of the Year, and is one of only seven female artists to win the Country Music Association's Entertainer of the Year Award. That doesn't seem like enough, but good job, Dolly. Good job to Dolly. And then Country Music Association, maybe get better at this. Yeah, find some girls. There's a lot in country music. There are and so they're, many. They're, they're incredible. They're great. Let's spread the wealth. She has five Academy of Country Music Awards, including Entertainer of the Year. Four People's Choice Awards, three American Music Awards. She is also in a select group to have received at least one nomination from the Academy Awards, the Grammy Awards, the Tony Awards, and the Emmy Awards. Insane. Oh my gosh. Insane. What, I Something wonder what she first. got a Tony nomination for. I need to look that up. Yeah. I mean, She's got a show on Broadway. I need to get me in there. I need to see that. Well, I know they did a musical version of 9 to 5. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So that's probably what it is. It's probably, probably for the same song. I bet it is. Yeah, that would make perfect sense. In 1999, Parton was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Well done. Well, well done. In 2022, she was nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. At first, she declined that nomination, and then she retracted that and decided to go for that. So now she's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, too. Because why the hell not? Obviously, she deserves it. Mm-hmm. It's, she's just so cool. So that's kind of where I'm stopping with her right now. I don't want to do the disservice of trying to cover her life in 20 no, minutes. I bet it's juicy as hell. I can't oh wait to learn God. all about it. I fully intend to read some books, watch some documentaries, Absolutely. learn more about her. Because she just, I even just researching her, her support of her husband and the way that they live their lives together and how she supports who he is a per, as a person. Yeah, he respects not, him. He's not like Dolly fan club. He wants a different sort of life and they've made it balanced. Yes. Which is really cool. And she's willing to do that. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. I think yeah. that's beautiful. And he, I don't know. I just feel like there are a lot of opportunities in life for men to feel small next mm-hmm. to powerful women. And, and he's just like feeling like himself. Yeah. Good for him because I love it. She's probably a little intimidating. I'm sure. I'm. I could not imagine trying to live my life next to her. It's a lot. I'm sure it's so much. So it, I think that's really beautiful that he's so willing to let her have that spotlight mm-hmm. and still live his life the way he wants to live it, and not let 
jealousy or anger or... Not make her feel like she needs his permission. Right. Or to not make her feel like she needs to be smaller to come back down. Yeah. It just... To understand, which is something I think we could all learn to do, that we don't all have to shine in the same light. Right. And that's okay. We all have differences that make us who we are and make us good and wonderful people. And they Mm -hmm. can't all be the same. They can't. They just can't. Okay. Dolly's amazing. We'll talk about her a little bit more. So I want to get into nine to five. Yes. The song, the movie, the legend, all of it. This is what we all think of when we think nine to five. Yes, we do. Okay. So nine to five is a story that many can relate to in the seventies. It's a strong time for women to be in the workforce. It's a strong time of sexism in the workforce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a rough, it's a rough time kind of to be a woman in the working. Yeah. I mean, in general working, but definitely being a woman working. And I mean, women first really enter the workforce during World War II. Yep. They go back home. They come back out in the late 50s, early 60s. Everyone's mad about it. Yeah. And it takes us a long time. I'll let you know when we get there (laughs) uh, to to gain an even footing. Yes. Someday that'll happen. Someday. Someday. Closer and closer all the time. So what I'm going to do here really quick for those of us who haven't seen the movie before, because Brian had not seen it, I'm going to give us a brief synopsis. And then Liz and I are just going to talk about just some of the gems that are hidden in this movie because they're (laughs) so good. So this synopsis comes from IMDb, of course. Thanks. Thanks, IMDb. So they describe this as office satire about three female secretaries who decide to get revenge on their tyrannical, sexist boss by abducting him and running the business themselves. The trio, one of whom has been passed over for a promotion because she's a woman, spend a night together having a drug-induced fantasy of killing the slave-driving chauvinist. One of them panics the following day when she suspects that she's really poisoned the tyrant. And insanity ensues from there. (laughs) It does. You guys, this movie. I so I I watched it when I was younger. And it doesn't mean the same as when you're a grown and person. It was a completely different movie. Mm-hmm. I watched it for this week's episode just recently and it was funny. It's so funny. And Brian watched it with me and he'd never seen it before and we were both just dying. It's funny and it's sharp. It's so witty. It's so good. It's, it's so good. Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda. Three like powerhouses just amazing they're amazing they're so funny Lily Tomlin might be my favorite she is sharp that's what I would say sharp sassy witty just funny funny. her timing is impeccable perfect timing and she is playing a grown-up woman yeah it's not it's not young 18-year-olds in the workforce, yeah. which has its place, and those can be there. But this just felt we like... We hear their story a little more. We do. This one, I, we need. We needed something like this, where it was... And it was like... It felt like such a range of women, too. Yeah. It just didn't feel like one kind of woman. It was a range. Yeah, and they're and not, they're like not all superheroes. No. Some of them are not great. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so they're just depicted as real people. Yeah. Lily Tomlin is a mom of teenagers who's a widow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jane Fonda, recently divorced, no kids. Her husband cheated on her with his secretary. Mm -hmm. And Dolly Parton is married, married, but no kids or anything. Mm -hmm. Has a a really cute life. She's really sweet. Her relationship with her husband when she's at home seems really lovely. It's super cute. Um, So 
the way the situation is set up, it shows Lily Tomlin as um, in charge of a whole floor of office workers, um, knows all of her shit, trains all the new people, including her boss, including her boss. And then men get promoted over her because they're men and she's a woman and she's the one who really knows how the, and he, and we all know that woman at work. Oh, we all know her. Like so-and-so's in charge, but you go to her cause she knows what's going on. Yep. I, we have a very specific person like that at my work mm-hmm. and she is just the person who knows what's going on. Yeah. Like you, you don't even bother asking anyone else first. You just go straight there. So that's Lily that's Tomlin. That's Lily Tomlin. Um, Jane Fonda hasn't worked before. She's new to the workforce entirely. The copy machine will be the death of her. It's it's her real nemesis. nemesis. <laughs> Until the end. Until the end. <laughs> and um, Dolly is the secretary for the mean boss. And she... I relate to her in ways that are wild to me. Where you just... She is genuinely just wants to be nice wants people to be happy just wants to do things that are going to make people happy and doesn't want to make people feel bad but because she's small and curvy and sexy people assume that she's somebody she's not and there's rumors spread about her even by the boss that she's that they're fucking that around. They're fucking around. And he's she's buying not. her gifts and touching her inappropriately and she asking her to spin around. And she is firmly and politely saying, I am married. This is not appropriate. Please don't do it anymore. And he just keeps going. Has no respect for her at all. None. Um, so at the beginning, all these ladies, they don't they don't all like each other because I mean, Jane Fonda's in a situation where she she thinks that this is a secretary sleeping with someone else's husband. Mm-hmm. And that's a little close to home. That for hits her. a little deep. Um, and then they have they all have a really bad day at work and end up getting a drink together at the bar. I love it because it happens that uh, Dolly Parton's character. I need to remember their names. I don't remember. Yeah, um, their names are whatever. Their names are fine. We know who they are. Yes. So Dolly Parton's character finds out that the boss has been spreading these rumors. She goes in and chews him out and just gives him what for. Because how dare you? How dare you? And then Lily Tomlin's character is like, I carry this place. She goes out. Because she just found out she didn't get the promotion she found out that she, she didn't get earned. the promotion. And I love it. So they have this coworker. I think her name was Margaret, who every single time they're all three of them are like, I need a drink. I'm going to the bar. And this is Margaret girl. She's like, add a girl. Add a girl. <laughs> it's so good. She's Ooh, so Can funny. we get t-shirts that just say add a girl? Yes, I like can. it. I'm going to do that. You guys will know what it means. You guys will it understand. Fuck them. Yeah. You guys can have your own add a girl shirts if you want it to. Yeah. I think it would be great. You add a girl. You got this. It was great. So they all go to the bar. They all. And that's where they find out that they're they're much more similar than they are different. Yes. And that they all hate this boss because he's the worst. Absolute worst. <laughs> and um, is it it's Lily Tomlin's character whose Lily. son gives her some weed. She's got a joint in her purse. <laughs> she and does. she says, you guys want to like go home and smoke this? <laughs> Obviously, they say yes. <laughs> and what ensues is just like it said before, some of the greatest like brainchilds of mm-hmm. how they would get back at the boss if they could in a in a who framed Roger Rabbit kind of way. Yeah, they have these imaginary scenes, all three of them, where they imagine how they would get rid of the boss if they could, and they're so silly. <laughs> they're so funny. Oh, I love. They're them. so good, and it's it's great because it could have been, it could have been really dark, or 
difficult for some people to receive. But when mm-hmm. you make it silly, then they can just be like, that was really funny. And maybe I won't treat women like shit anymore. Uh-huh. You know? Well, what's interesting <laughs> is so um, I'll touch on this a little bit now. So I read uh, an interview that Rolling Stone did with the screenwriter for this. And she said the original plan was actually to have them legitimately try to kill the boss. Oh. It wasn't supposed to be just like these fantasies and then they weren't really going to do anything about it. It was they were literally going to plot murder. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do you think more people are really plotting murders or fewer than you think? Do you think or do you think it's probably about as much as you'd guess? I think we have less now that there's less lead in the world. <laughs> that's probably true <laughs> but and, and, the, and the harder it is to get like anabolic steroids yeah, yeah. Things, things that make people act in the way they wouldn't normally act I think there's a lot of people who I because I could understand um, again Dolly Parton's character where she's just like you know what fuck you you get what I you gave me yeah I get to treat you like crap. I get to sit here and just call you a pretty person. And that's all you're good for. And And we try this on for me. Mm -hmm. And oh, don't be like that. Yeah. It's so it feels so good to watch her treat him that way Mm -hmm. in a way that I should probably feel gross about. I should. But it's like, get some. And if it wasn't just like her sitting here being like, I'm just going to sit here and think about it because... You know what? Uh-huh. Because <laughs> it's not like she was going to do it. No, she's it, a good she's person. She's a good person. But it was just sitting here thinking about if the roles were reversed, just imagine how he would feel about himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that tactic that when somebody says something really sexist to you, you act like you don't understand. Yeah. And ask them to explain. Yeah. I do that a lot. It feels good. It feels really good. Because you don't need me to tell you you're an asshole. No. You need to think about it for a second. Exactly. That's what really needs to happen. Yeah. Because if I say that was sexist, now you can just call me a bitch. Yeah. And I've had enough of that already. I have too. So I'd rather you feel dumb. That would be great. That's my preferred move. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> we went to buy a push broom Ooh. at the hardware store. And a guy who worked there came up to help us. This honestly happened like a week and a half ago. Oh, my God. He came up to help us. And he was like, uh, do you want to do you want to try that out? And I was like, well, it's just it's a broom. I think we I think we like this one. And he says to Seth, who's a giant man, like, do you want to have her try to work, how to use it, make sure it fits her arms? Oh, my God. Since implying that I'm the one who uses brooms in our house. Oh, my God. You should have seen. I was so proud. Seth just looked at him. And so he like silly, he stupidly tried to like explain why the joke's funny. So Seth would laugh. No. And he just kept looking at him like, what? I don't understand. And the guy just kept tripping over his own words. Oh, my God. <laughs> and and after that, we were like, OK, see you. And the guy was just standing there like that didn't go the way I thought it would. <laughs> no, it didn't. It was good. So perfect. <laughs> I love and it. I was like, that was such a great way to stand up for me. That was beautiful. To just be like, no, that's that's, that's really not, not funny. how we do it at our house. And, yeah. and you're gross. Yeah. <laughs> but without he didn't have to, like, do gross, big man things. Yeah. He just was like, that was dumb what you did. I hope you feel I a little embarrassed. I hope you feel a little dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool. That's a, Seth Taylor, you're a beautiful human being. He is. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love okay. it. He's such an asshole. Like, are you just wandering around the hardware store waiting to make those jokes? I know people on my like that I work with 
like indirectly that wait to be able to make those kinds of jokes. Like they just have them on like a backup, just ready to go. Stop. Stop it. Mm. <laughs> you know what? Um, just as advice for the general world, women are so fun to be friends with. It's true. And men are awesome. Yes. But, but if you if you don't have a gaggle of women friends, you You're need to get out. you some. Mm-hmm. They are special. It's true. They're something else. So stop alienating them. <laughs> you want them around. Bring Cross them into heart. your world. They're good. I mean, we all have good things to give. Yes. And you're missing out on half of the world's goodness. So much of it. What a what, what a way to hurt yourself. What a waste. Stop. Yeah. You're missing out. You're missing out on so much. All right. So they fantasize. They do all this. They come back the next morning and Jane Fonda, not Jane no, Fonda, Lily, Lily Tomlin. Tomlin yeah. She... She thinks she might have accidentally put some rat poison yeah. in her the boss's coffee because he likes this stupid sweetener. And the boss exactly looks exactly like, like the rat poison. poison. So she puts it in. He doesn't drink it, but he's got this like really bad chair. He tips over, falls over, hits his head, is knocked unconscious. She didn't see it she happen, didn't see it so happen. she thinks it's from the poison. Yep. They all go to the hospital. She steals a body that's not even his. Because they think he's dead. Because they think he's dead. They're about to go dump the body with cement bricks into the water. They have an accidental dead person in their trunk. Mm -hmm. It's not even their dead person. And then they have, once they find out, they have to go take it back. They get pulled over by the police. (laughs) The police officer is like really concerned because he's been told that the two other ladies have been poisoned by rat poison. So he wants to give them the police escort. (laughs) And they're like, no, we're fine, actually. We're good. We're going. (laughs) Somehow they get the dead guy back into the hospital. We don't see how that happens. No, but they it, they achieve they it. They achieve it. Probably they come, with a wheelchair or something. Probably. Uh, they, they come they, back to work the next day. They come back to work and they're talking about what happened. And the snoopy lady in the office who tells everybody's business to the mean boss, hears them in the bathroom. And go tells their business to the mean boss. And so he tries to blackmail them by saying, you were trying to murder me. Mm-hmm. So, so they kidnap for realsies this <laughs> for time. For realsies this time, <laughs> and try and get blackmail on him. Mm-hmm. They they tie him up in his own house, send his wife away, or was she already on vacation? She was on vacation. He was supposed to be on vacation with her, but he didn't want to. He wanted to stay so he could try and have some sexy time with Dolly Parton. And she said pass. And she said hard pass. Um, and then they send the the Snoopy secretary lady out of town. Pretty sure to France, so she to, can go learn French. To learn French for work for, <laughs> for, work, for work reasons. Things. Yes. Uh, and they actually find some stuff out about him, but then things get, uh, uh, messed up, messed up. It doesn't work out. It's just, it's, there's a little bit of physical comedy, some clever dialogue comedy. It's just so fun. It's, it's good. You guys will have to go watch it to find out the end. It's the silliest show. It's so much fun. It is so affirming. I don't know what feels better than to think, well, if someone could do something like that to Dolly Parton, then I, it's not my fault. Yes. If someone treats me that way at work, it's nothing that I did. And right. thanks for letting me know. Because mm-hmm. that's an important thing to know. That is a very important thing to know. It's a great movie. Uh, the so theme good. song is the best theme song of any movie ever. Oh my God, the theme song is delightful. And we'll talk about it a little bit more here. Let's do it. Okay. First, I want to talk about how this movie itself was the brainchild of Jane Fonda. 
She right. So she was in it. She kind of conceptualized it. She truly saw the situation of women in the work- workforce for what it was. And she wanted to address it in a way that not only would people be able to relate to it, but she wanted them to be willing to accept it and listen to it. And there, the way to do that, she nailed it right on the head. And I'm going to read a quote from there is an organization called Nine to Five that Jane Fonda actually drew a lot of inspiration from. Oh, cool. So I'm going to read a quote from their founder. She says, office workers were invisible, but we were the largest sector of the workforce. There were 20 million women office workers. One out of three women worked in an office in those days. So this notion about whether there would be an audience was one that Jane Fonda understood and tapped into. Her genius about this was understanding that it had to be real. It had to really reflect the way women talked, what their issues were, how they felt about it. It couldn't be didactic. It had to be a comedy. And it had to be. The last thing I want is to feel like this movie's laughing at me. Right. I want to I want to know we're laughing together. Yes. And that's exactly what she put together in this. It wasn't a movie laughing at the situation. It was here's how we can all laugh together about this, because the fact that this is happening is absolutely wildly ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other word for there it. There is no other word. <laughs> Um, so we, I am going to talk about nine to five later because not just because it was a huge influence on the movie, which it was, but it's just a really cool organization, I feel like. So at the end, I'm going to talk about them a little bit more as well. So Fonda knew that she wanted a good, strong, comedic background to line up her, her cast. Yeah. Obviously she was going to fulfill one of the roles Mm -hmm. and then she found her, uh, her friend, Lily Tomlin brought her in. Best friends best, forever. Best friends. Best choice she could have made. Lily Tomlin is a gem. Mm-hmm. And then it was on a drive home one night when she was listening to Dolly Parton's song Two Doors Down that Fonda realized the perfect opportunity. And here's a quote from Jane Fonda. She says, I suddenly got an image of Dolly Parton sitting at a typewriter. And I thought that would be something to have Dolly Parton in her first movie playing a secretary in a movie that, among other things, is going to touch upon sexual harassment. She's absolutely perfect. And she is. She is. She's so, she's so good. It's hard to believe that this is her debut acting Right. It feels situation. very natural for me to see her in movies. She, well, she was so good. Yeah. She was so good in this movie. You would have never guessed that this was a first attempt for her. I watched, um, in the same weekend, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Mm, I love it so much. <laughs> she's great. <laughs> she's so good. <laughs> now I need to watch that. That might be what I watched today. <laughs> so... Uh, Dolly definitely agreed, but she had a stipulation and I love it. So this is what she said. She says, I, I said, well, this is a good opportunity, but I'll only do it if I can write the theme song. (laughs) She knows how to play to her strengths. She says, and she got, she got her wish and she killed it. She crushed it. Could you imagine a better song? Uh, This is like, it is anthemic. It is. It is. It is incredible. I also love, so Dolly, Dolly got to work on the set, writing her song, taking inspiration from anything that she could, the actors, the story, the behind the scenes effort. I love that she got inspiration from the most random source ever her acrylic nails <laughs> it's so good it's so good and it just makes me happy because she does this we'll talk about it i'm gonna read a quote from her she says i always play the nails which i just want to stop there 
I always play the nails. Google it if you got if you can't imagine it in your head. But she like rubs her fingernails together on the, the backs. best clickety clackety sound to ever exist. It just yeah. like it is the only reason why I would get acrylic nails is just so I can make that sound. It's the best <laughs> sound in the world, and it just makes a fun little rhythm that she can write songs to. It does. So she says, "I always play the nails, and I'd come up with the little things that I would see on set. Like I tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of, and I." I thought, wow, that sounds like a typewriter. <laughs> and it does. It's so good. It's so good. So part of the recording is actually her using her acrylic nails. <laughs> it's so good. It's such a win. Oh, my goodness. I love it. She's amazing. The song yeah. is incredible. And everybody knew it was incredible the second that they heard it. No doubt in anyone's mind, this is exactly what it's supposed to be. That must feel so magical to yeah. listen to it for the first time and just be like, people are going to fucking love this. Right? That's really, that must That's be really be a wonderful. powerful feeling. Yeah. Jane Fonda said this. She says, Lily and I looked at each other and we had goosebumps. And we knew this is not just a movie song. This is an anthem. And the uh, founder of 9 to 5, she also has some quotes here about the song because it was important to them, too. This was happening around the same time. So she says, I think the song is brilliant. It starts with pride. Pour myself a cup of ambition. It goes into grievances, barely getting by. It then goes to class conflict. You're just a step on the boss man's ladder. And then it ends with collective power in the same boat with a lot of your friends. So in the space of this wildly popular song and with a great beat, Dolly Parton just puts it all together by herself. She and gets it. She does. She totally gets it. And that feels so good to know somebody gets it. Yeah. And even now, people are still writing about this. So like 40 years later, there's a magazine writer named Rebecca Traster who says 9 to 5 is simultaneously a song of angry complaint and immense good cheer. And there's something about that combination that makes it kind of addictive and fun. Mm -hmm. That's 40 years later. We're still talking about it. It's it's really a refreshing way to look at it. It sucks and it's hard. But also, we're all going to be okay. We're all going to be okay. Um, and we're not little bitches. No. We can handle it. Exactly. We shouldn't have to, but we can. We can. <laughs> I just, I love the power that comes from it. I love how it draws us all together. I love that it's just, it's a song of frustration, but it's a song of just collective, we've got this. Yeah, we can do I, it. I think it's beautiful. I think it's wonderful. And I think Dolly is a genius. Yes, 100% a genius. Okay, so we're going to talk about now critical acclaim of the movie because it got a lot. Good. It did. And we're, we're going to see here, Dolly's a big driving force for this. <laughs> so wins that they got, they did get a Grammy Award for Best Country Song 9 to 5. Good job, Dolly. Mm -hmm. They also got a Grammy Award for Best Female Country Vocal Performance, again, 9 to 5. Again, good job, Dolly. Nice, nice, nice. They did get a bunch of nominations as well. So they were nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song, 9 to 5, Obvi. Golden Globe Award for Best Actress in a Motion Picture, a Comedy or Musical. And that went to Dolly Parton. That's amazing. Well-deserved. Again, you would never guess first that movie this ever. is her first movie. Wow. You would have no idea. Golden Globe Award nomination for New Star of the Year. And that was Dolly Parton again. Golden Globe for the Best Original Song nomination, and that was for 9 to 5. Grammy Award nomination for Song of the Year, 9 to 5. 
Grammy Award nomination for Best Score Soundtrack for Visual Media, 9 to 5. <laughs> and the Writers Guild of America Award for Best Written Comedy. So that's the only one that, maybe not Dolly Parton, but <laughs> everything else, she's so good. Yeah. It's, and it's not just her music, it's her acting. She's incredible. She's yeah. wonderful. She did amazing. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about what's happened with the 9 to 5 song. So with 9 to 5, Parton became the only woman to top both the U.S. Country Singles Chart and the Billboard Hot 100 with the same single, the first being Jeannie C. Riley, who had done so with Harper Valley PTA in 1968. Which is also a, a, a woman's anthem song. Yeah, it is. It really <laughs> like, is. So I like that, that. I love it. I think that's incredible mm-hmm. that that's, I mean, there should be more, but I love that it's women's anthems that are just paving the way. Yeah. 9 to 5 served as the theme song for the mid-1980s sitcom 9 to 5, which derived from the film. Phoebe Snow sang the theme song for the first four-episode premiere season, which aired in March and April of 1982. Dolly Parton took it back over and started singing for the sitcom in 1982 and 1983, and then for its 1986 to 1988 revival. Weird that someone else was singing the song, but Maybe I get it's it. just like a... Um... Oh, what do you call that? The first episode of a show? It's real, but it's not? Pilot? Maybe it was a pilot situation. It could be. It could be. That would make sense. (laughs) This one's, this one just feels like an of course, of course they did moment. (laughs) Songwriters Neil and Jan Goldberg filed a lawsuit against Parton claiming that 9 to 5 was a copy of their 1976 song Money World. I mean, we all want a piece of it. We all want a piece of it. In December 1985, the court ruled in Parton's favor. Nice. Um, And then one more thing that's happened Recently with it, U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren frequently used the song at campaign appearances during her 2020 presidential campaign. With it often playing while she took the stage, reacting to the song's use, Parton's manager, Danny Nozzle, I think that's how you say it, Nozelle, maybe, says, we did not approve the request and we do not approve requests like this of a political nature. I think it's, I understand where Elizabeth Warren was coming from that. Yeah, it's but a great you song. need to get permission. And if you're not given permission, you should not use it. Yeah. Because I can understand Dolly's perspective as well of maybe you don't want to jump in on this. You know, we always we try to make famous people responsible for a lot of stuff. Like you have to be an example and you have to represent this and this and and maybe sometimes she just doesn't want to declare her political position. Right. Because she'll get shit. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes I can, I just, I don't know. I get that. And if you did not have permission, don't use it. Yeah. Just don't use it. Don't use other people's toys if they said no, thank you. Exactly. Okay. So to finish this all up, I do want to just talk a little bit about the nine to five movement. Um, I'm going to be getting all of my information for this from, it was a PBS a documentary and it was literally called nine to five, the story of a movement. Okay. They do an interview with the founder of the movement. And there's some really interesting topics that they talk about. So I'm just going to talk about a few of them. Just give you guys a little overview. If you want more information, they're not huge, but they're still around. They're still trying to fight for good things. And I like it. I think it's really awesome. Yeah. So in the 1970s, we saw an explosion of women coming back into the workforce, like we talked about before. And I think one thing that we see even depicted in the film is this concept of office wives. Ew. Yeah. It's, I don't love it. So the inspiration kind of came from what what you saw of office wives in the workplace. And it's really gross. Like you would hear you would hear a lot of times things like clean my dentures, go out and get my lunch, make me coffee, which was a big one in the movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Yes. sew up the pants that I am currently wearing. 
the idea that that a man can't be capable unless he has a woman handling shit for him mm-hmm. and that they should be available to handle that shit on his whim. Yep. It's just get over it. Get over yourself. Grow out of that, please. Yes. And demeaning bullshit like that. You don't need to do that. I'm not going to sew no. your pants while they're on you. Thank you. That's not the job that I signed up for. I am no. not a tailor. And if that were my job, you're not paying me enough. Exactly. You Sex should work pay is me work. more. Yes. <sighs> so, and the thing that they really wanted to attack with this was just the idea of sexual harassment. This was at a time where sexual harassment wasn't really a term. They didn't have the classes. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't have that. So... I kind of love this. So I'm going to read a quote here uh, from this article. It's about some of the tactics that they use. They would give out Pettiest Office Procedure Award or the Bad Boss of the Year Award. (laughs) They went on Phil Donahue and brought their bosses with them and shamed them on national TV. They'd call local TV channels anytime they were going to ambush a boss to present him with some kind of bad award. It's like to catch a predator. (laughs) It's really, really good. Come on, we're going to go embarrass this guy. Let's go. So great. It's really good. It was all with a smart, sharp sense of humor and it leveraged public opinion in a really good way. So right. it had a really good impact. Because no one likes to, no one responds well to an angry woman. Right. But everybody likes to watch someone else be publicly humiliated. Right. And so that leads into <laughs> they kind of had to frame this movement. In a different way, because obviously, like, this concept itself is very feminist in nature. Mm-hmm. It is. But a lot of women of the time didn't want to classify themselves as feminists. They didn't want... They they wanted change. They wanted actions. They wanted something to happen. But they didn't like the idea of being... The way they would describe feminists then of just angry, bitchy people who didn't who just couldn't be happy with anything. Everything is out to get them. Everything is the worst. That's how they kept describing it. We support the same things, but I don't want you to call me that dirty word. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So they they kind of knew that they had to change things up a little bit in the way that they presented it. And I think it's interesting how they did it. So here's a a quote again. So the question that was asked them is, uh, you see people saying, I'm not a feminist, and you see it still to this day, right? And so the person being interviewed says, oh, absolutely. And the people who were working this were very creative when they come up with actions to use. One example is passing out balloons that say equal pay for equal work as opposed to leafleting people. We're angry workers. (laughs) (laughs) Just passing out balloons in downtown Cleveland. It's a really good organization tactic and a good organizer recognizes what is the community we're trying to reach. There's no way I'm not walking up to a person holding a big thing of balloons. Oh my god. Seriously, if you have me a 100% balloon that says in. equal pay for equal work, give me. I'm yes. going to go run around with that Absolutely. all day long. I want to hand out some long. myself, honestly. I think it's really cool that they just wanted to bring people together on what they could agree on mm-hmm. and just leave it at that. You didn't have to, you didn't have to classify it. I, I mean... I'm a feminist. I'm going to go towards that. But you don't have to classify it that way. It's not as reachable to everybody. You know what? This is making me think of the way that they have to bend over backwards to make their their, an appeal for their rights appealing to anyone else Mm -hmm. is that thing that people always say about um, Ginger Rogers. Ginger Rogers was Fred Astaire's dance partner. Yes. And we all know Fred Astaire. Right. Um, But Ginger Rogers didn't get as much credit. Yeah. And. Um, there's this saying that Ginger Rogers did everything that Fred Astaire did, but backwards and in high heels. True. <laughs> and that's what this is. This is just doing it harder for just doing it things we should just have. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. There's a lot 
more to this. I'm going to talk about when they were trying to become a union because they worked really hard towards that goal. This was just an organization at first, just trying to get some information and ideas out there. Um, They did try to become a labor union and it was really frustrating for them. They they uh, talked about 10 different unions and they got a lot of horrible answers, which I just so here's some of the comments that they got. It's a little frustrating to hear and read. We'd do more organizing here if I could just get a girl in to answer the phones more often. Oh. <laughs> or someone said, you didn't feel like you were sitting with somebody who considered you their equal. It was just like you little girls patting you on the head kind of attitude. Um, <laughs> this, is, this one's really frustrating. One of the other organizers who tried to organize in Seattle said she heard things like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're all too young and green to really know what it means to be in a union. It's almost like they forgot how they started. Right. So it's just a whole thing of just being talked down to the entire time. They do get to union status, but then that's about the time that union busting started happening. So it wasn't a really long lived thing for them. Okay. Which is unfortunate. They're still they're still around now. They're still out doing things. The nine to five comedy had a really good impact on them. And I think what they're trying to do still to this day is really good and really important. And I hope that they can find ways to move it forward in a really positive and good, strong way. Absolutely. Because we all deserve to be able to work in a place that's safe. Exactly. And be respected. Be respected and not be overworked with our nine to five (laughs) work frame. And here's just a side piece in case you didn't know about it or it hadn't occurred to you. Uh, Don't touch people. Don't touch people, please, God. Just don't. You probably shouldn't touch your coworkers. Or, you know, the people who work for you. Maybe, <laughs> maybe don't do that. Uh, it's not a touching isn't for work. Touching does not belong in the workplace. Oh, a P.S. I have a specific person I work with who always uh, gives me side hugs and apologizes for it. I don't mean you. We're real friends. <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> There's a difference. But um, people who, who you're not close with, who you haven't asked for permission, uh, just don't touch them. Right. Just don't touch them. No. Don't put don't put them in the position to have to tell you not to. Right. It's gross. It's not a good feeling to be in. <laughs> and I feel like there have been multiple workplaces where this happens. And mm-hmm. it is it is wildly uncomfortable. It makes work an uncomfortable place to be. It You should not feel like you have to walk a different path just because you don't want to pass that person's office and feel like you're going yeah. to get called in and be scared that you're going to have to go sit down in there. That should not have to happen. Right. That should not be a thing. I don't. It's hard to know how how much it means to not have to do those things unless it's happened to you. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's so yucky. It's really gross. Don't do that to so people. So don't do that to people. Make your workplace as safe of place as you can mm-hmm. for the people around you. You guys, I'm I'm proud of us. We work hard. We do. We're doing a good job. We're taking care of each other. Um, things things can only get better, right? I think so. Oh shit! Knock on wood. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I love us. I love us too. We're doing great. You add a girl, honestly. Add a girl. Add a girl. All right, let's do this again sometime. (laughs) Say hi to your mom for me.